No, but you're absolutely right. I mean, as men, we tend, as you alluded to, to shove our emotions down before it bubbles up and boils up in an, in a, you know, in um in a terrible way down the line, right? Warning that this episode may contain a conversation related to suicide. If you are having thoughts of suicide, please dial the suicide hotline at 988. Mustaches and men's health. Max Skinner, the community development manager for Movember, shares just exactly how they help tackle men's health issues such as prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and issues related to suicide. So, let's do it. Too many days in the darkness Without a glimpse of the light Running tired and broken and scared But I swear I'll never give up the fight I see you broken and beat Head pulled down over your eyes Every part of you wants to surrender Darling, you were meant to survive Max, thanks for coming on today, man. Dan, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I, um, you know, I was I was trying to describe Movember um, to someone the other day because I was so excited to do this podcast with you, and it, it turned into just like me doing like a five minute long winded response to them, asking them, you know, asking me what Movember is, and I was like, you know what, just take mustache and men's health, morph them together. And then I was just like, just listen to the podcast. Max is coming on <laughs> from November oh. and um, he'll, he'll do a great job over telling you guys, um, you know, really what, what it is you guys do, what issues you guys really tackle. Um, so I'd love to just do a, a deep dive into that. Totally. I mean, you nailed it with the mustache and the men's health. That's a great, <laughs> great synopsis on, on what we're all about. Um, no, it's funny that the mustache is kind of our, you know, our recognizable token, if you will. But obviously, Movember goes goes way deeper than that. Um, we are the leading charity for men's health on a global scale. So what does that mean exactly? Well, we focus on three critical cause categories, including prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and most recently, mental health and, and suicide prevention in, in young men. Um, the funds that we raise, people get a little confused because we are technically a registered 501c3 charity. Um, but we don't necessarily have any in-house programs or, you know, research or anything like that in-house. Uh, the funds that we raise here are used to support research and, and programs that basically enable men to live happier, healthier, and longer lives. Um, and I'll, I'll get into, into that a little bit later in terms of the, pro, the specific programs that we support. Um, but I do want to touch on on the history and kind of the origins of Movember because it's it's super fascinating. Um, we are a global operation. We we have an office in in Melbourne, Australia, which is where our headquarters are, uh, which is where Movember first started. We have an office in London, Los Angeles, where I'm based. That's awesome. Well. You guys are worldwide. Worldwide, man. Yeah, you know, it, we're trying to support men across the globe, and so um, it started off by a group of four guys in Melbourne, Australia. Um, you know, these guys had, they had a mustache. They were just having a beer at this, this bar called the gypsy bar in Melbourne. And after a few beers that, you know, they got to talking, um, because it, this was back in 2003, I think the mustache was kind of out of style at the time. 
And they were like, you know what, we, we need to bring this back as a fashion trend. And um, we want to support, uh, you know, more men's health programs and generate awareness for men, because at the time they were inspired by a friend's mother who was raising money for, for breast cancer awareness. And they felt like men's health wasn't getting the same attention that some of these other cause categories were getting year round with, you know, breast cancer awareness in October, mental health awareness in May and September. And, you know, they felt like men's health programs weren't getting as much attention as some of these other causes. And so the story goes, this guy, Travis Garone and Luke Slatery, which are two of our, our four founders, uh, they convinced about 30 of their friends to also grow out their mustaches that November and make the campaign about uh, prostate cancer because one of their fathers was going through prostate cancer at the time. You said 30 friends? 30 friends. That's yeah. got some good influence. <laughs> I know, right? So that's that's where it started. Uh, 2003, 30 friends in Australia um, got together and, you know, they they grew out their mustaches. And it was for them, you know, they didn't raise much money that first year, but they were astounded by how much awareness and conversation their mustaches drew and, and generated uh, for prostate cancer, um, which was pretty cool. Like the mustache, as we talked about, is such a good conversation starter, no matter how crappy of a mustache you grow people take notice and you know as much as our wives or spouses don't don't appreciate the mustache as much it really is a good conversation starter and so they kind of use that as their catalyst and their springboard uh to launching this you know this larger campaign um so anyways after kind of building up some mo momentum the following year uh they ended up partnering with uh the prostate cancer foundation in new zealand and then they registered Movember as an official uh, foundation and charity in 2006, a few years later. So from there, you know, the, re the rest is kind of history. You know, since, since they launched in 2003, uh, Movember has raised over $830 million for men's health programs. Oh, wow. They've funded over 1,200, uh, 1200 programs over the last, um, however long that is, 19 years um, in about 20 cr uh, countries across the globe. Um, so as you can see, you know, what started off as kind of a, a gag type of campaign has turned into something that has benefited and, and impacted a lot of people along the way. So um, that's kind of the, the origins and the history behind Movember and, and, and what we're all about. I love that, that it's wor worldwide, too, because that fits right with my podcast on the podcast like definition. It says it's your worldly podcast. And we start off in Australia, which I didn't even know, actually, myself. And I've done a lot of research on you guys, too, um, that I, I love that because you go from Australia, Europe, United States. I, I view you guys as almost, you know, more United States than anything because I'm just used to you guys. But that's awesome. You guys extend all the way down there. And no, um, November is probably just your your absolute month. Oh, yeah, uh, no doubt. That's where about 90% of our fundraising takes place throughout the month of November. Um, we've kind of coined the whole month as, you know, men's health month, if you will. And it's, you know, it's around the holidays, people are feeling a little, little more charitable at the end of the year, you've got giving Tuesday, normally at the end of November, most years, which which it is this year, uh, thankfully. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's where the bulk of our, our fundraising goes, we are trying to kind of expand our fundraising arm beyond just the month of November, make it a little more year round, especially considering that we're, you know, we recently supported uh, suicide prevention and mental health, which, as I'm sure you know, um, there's a couple awareness months sprinkled out throughout the year, I think it's May and September. And so we're, you know, we're trying to, to shift our focus to other awareness months as well. 
but yeah, November is, uh, it's coming up and, and that's our, uh, that's our bread and butter, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I, I'm glad that you guys are, you guys added suicide too, because I, I know, um, prostate cancer and testicular cancer, you said were the pretty much like the foundations. And then you guys picked up suicide along the way to kind of make it a, uh, you know, also a, a men's issue too, which I think is I, I great. Cause it's not talked about as, as much and start using that as a, uh, issue to try to start tackling. hundred percent. And um, I mean, you, you touched on it. Ultimately, we want to support men's uh, men's health, uh, you know, across the board. Um, there is kind of an alarming statistic that we always that we always tell our fundraisers, men are dying six years earlier than women on average. And these are mostly for preventable reasons. Um, for example, you know, prostate cancer, I believe it's one in eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer at some point in their lives. Uh, testicular cancer, obviously, that's the most common, you know, common cancer in young men. And then suicide, uh, you know, as we've talked about briefly, Dan, has certainly picked up over the past couple of years. I think the whole, you know, isolation piece of COVID um, has really put people in a dark spot. And as a result, you know, the suicide rate numbers are through the roof. Um, four out of the five suicides in the U.S. are by men. Each year, we lose about 37,000 men to suicide in the U.S. Um, so as you can see, those those numbers are alarming. Um, they're only in, Yeah, they're only increasing. So there's so much more work that we need to be done or that needs to be done. Um, and so, you know, suicide, as you touched on, uh, that being one of our core, you know, or key focus areas, um, we recently introduced that initiative about, I think it was three or four years ago at November. And um, people always ask us, like, what what are you guys doing about suicide in particular? Like, what what specifically are you supporting? Um, ultimately, our goal is to kind of help, you know, transform how men think about their their health and and act on it, right? Um, and so we use the funds that we raise, you know, by our amazing community members. Uh, we collaborate with some of the you know some of the sharpest minds in the world, some of the best researchers in the world to create more you know, effective treatments and solutions, um, make programs and resources just you know, more readily accessible for, for men. Um, for example, uh, we actually teamed up with the Prevention Institute uh, to help you know, men and, and young boys of color, as well as military service and, and veterans in more rural urban areas, get the support that they need for their mental well-being, um, whether that's through you know, different programs, webinars, just easier access for some of these programs, right? Um, you, true. No, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Do you think that there's because though every time I think about men facing their mental health problems and so, or even just stress alone, I always think, and I even I'm guilty of it myself of you know e emotion avoidance, procrastination, the I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, because um, you always think too. It's always something you can do, right? It's always something you can face later. You're put, pushing this conflict within yourself or with, you know, in a relationship off and just kicking the rock down the road, really. And um, I, I know that's that's not the the way to do it, but I, I'm even thinking about how many programs and things that uh, that are out there. And I just I I envision uh it's almost like, have you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber where Jim oh, Carrey yeah. at the end where like this, this bus of beautiful women in bikinis are asking them to like put oil on them. They go, oh, well, there's a bunch of guys actually down the road that can do it better. 
I feel like men would just walk right past like a mental health clinic that are screaming at them going, if you need help, if you have stress in your life, please come in now. It's free. You can speak with anybody. And we are just going to keep walking past it. And yes. I, I think about that. I'm like, if that, that might be the starting point where we're at. I'm like, how do we, can we fix that too? Um, because I'm yeah. thinking that might be like, <laughs> that might be step one. Cause how, how many times have we had somebody, a friend or a girlfriend, spouse, anybody say to us, like, what's the problem? What's the problem? And you're like, there's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. No, no. You're, and you nailed it. And I, I think we're going to have to use that analogy from dumb and dumber and turn that into a meme or something yeah. just, to, <laughs> just to generate some awareness about <laughs> some of these programs. No, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, as men, we tend to as you alluded to, to shove our emotions down before it bubbles up and boils up in an, in a, you know, in, um, in a terrible way down the line. Right. I, I think one thing that we want our, our audience to know about mental health is that it's okay not to be okay. And that's, you know, that you hear that a lot and it's, it's easier said than done, but the best way, in my opinion, to take action is by opening it up because talking, having conversations like this, you know, putting our mission and our cause out there in the in the cloud through these podcasts, talking really honestly saves lives. Um, I've seen it firsthand uh, throughout my life. I, you know, I've been personally touched by suicide in my life. I lost my mother eight years ago to suicide. I've lost a couple fraternity brothers over the past few years to oh, suicide. Geez, sorry to hear that. Thanks, and yeah, it's again one of those. Uh, life situations that you just got to turn something horrible into something positive, which is part of the reason I'm so drawn to the Movember cause. And especially now that we're focused on, you know, on mental health. Um, but even back then, like when my mom took her own life, this was eight years ago, she didn't necessarily have some of these resources and programs at her disposal. And you've seen this kind of shift over the past three to five years of, you know, suicide and and depression and anxiety becoming a little more universally acceptable to talk about, which is fantastic. Like that's, that's where we need to start just talking about it, talking freely about it, owning up to our emotions, becoming vulnerable. That's in my opinion, the best way that we can generate impact and, and help people because we're, we all go through shit in our lives, right? Everyone's got skeletons in their closet. Everyone's bogged down by, you know, everyday life. People are depressed. We're anxious. There's a lot going on in the world right now. A lot of global issues, a freaking pandemic, the market crash, everyone's tightening their belt. So there's a lot going on. And just kind of op owning up to that, recognizing that it's okay that, you know, you're stressed out by all these global issues that are happening. I think that's our that's that's the first step. Um, there's one, you know, there's one program uh, called Alec. These are like simple steps to remember as as men, ask, listen, encourage action, and check in. Alec, ask, listen, encourage action, check in. Those are four great steps to live by as we're having conversations with our friends and fathers and partners who might be struggling. So anyways, to answer I your like question, that, yeah. I think having a conversation is 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 really key in, in impacting change. I think almost too, just being so direct and it, almost like sarcastically 
um, like making fun of yourself too is also a good way too. Where like you brought up the um, the the market crashing. You know, I I mean, there's been times you look at your investment account, and it's like, oh man, this is this is a uh, looking a little grim. But you know, just saying it out loud, like, oh man, I'm I'm down sixty down sixty percent. You know, it's a that just right. like starts that conversation. You you make fun of yourself almost and. It kind of puts you in a good light because you've said it out loud, and that's a good starting point to then like readdress um, everything else. Where you're almost yeah. like not even making fun of yourself; you're making fun of the situation, you know. So you're like downgrading the situation almost, which then like you don't feel as flooded and drowning within what is um, uh, happening. I found that 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 works. Um, that that's worked the best, and just being direct and quick like that when that thought comes to mind not being so like instinctual but also too still catering to that where it's like just say it out loud just say it out loud you know it better it's better to oh, get yeah. it out maybe and then deal with the consequences of maybe it being said but then uh at least it's out of your system because i've i spoke with um an intimacy coach last week who i'm, I'm good friends with and she's always talking about uh she she does great work most of her clients are men who she tries to help their um their mental health and when they come to her all of a sudden the floodgates are open and oh yeah she, she talks a lot of the time about your spiritual health too and how that affects your actual physical health and there's been a lot of times where she has said you know a, a lot of times people who end up getting sick at a young age or having um whether it's cancer or disease or something weird just happens that you wouldn't think oh well you know they've been healthy and living a healthy life Sometimes in those cases, th that person has suffered trauma, severe trauma in their younger, earlier days. And her sort of thought is that that person has never been able to release that trauma um, verbally and get it out in the open. And she seems to think that a lot of cases, it's that person holding on to that so long, that toxic, almost waste in their body to where it, it's got to go someplace. and you know, all of a sudden that person who's 20, 27 years old has a tumor growing in their, in their side or something. And when she had said yeah. that it made so much sense because a lot of her clients, she said, ha have had either tumors or, or, or cancers or something to where that trauma um, was so built up over the course of years. And I think about men and I think about them doing that for a lot of their life. And then when you look at that life expectancy, you, it's not surprising that it's it's yeah. um, lower than women when when women tend to um, you know just express themselves. I feel more more freely and 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 openly and more in a healthier manner. Yeah, and let that be a lesson to us. Um, I mean, I think the intimacy coach absolutely nailed it. I mean, stress plays a major role in our life, especially like post traumatic stress disorder. I you know I experienced that firsthand after I lost my mother, unfortunately. I was the one to discover her after she took her own life. And as you can imagine, for a 21-year-old kid, like completely turned my my world upside down. And I was kind of, you know, left to pick up the pieces where, you know, I had I had every excuse in the book to, you know, sit in my pity party, um, yeah. you know, sulk and use it's, that as an it's excuse. It's so easy to, to stay to there not too. Do anything like right. And, and totally. And but I I didn't want to end up like my mom did. And I wanted other people to kind of learn from that experience. And immediately I tried to turn that again, that horrible experience into something positive. Granted, you know, the first few years after she passed, needless to say, I struggled, you know, I abused drugs. I 
had anxiety. I had pan like severe panic attacks as anyone would. Right. And then I just woke up one day and said, I cannot live my life like this kind of picked myself up out of my bootstraps and committed to living a healthier life, working out more, stopped doing drugs, uh, did a lot of meditation. And then obviously support from my friends and family certainly helped along the way. And even like getting involved with a community, like my first, um, my first exposure to, to nonprofit fundraising came in about 2015. This was about through, uh, two years after my mom had passed. Um, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get involved uh, in suicide prevention to kind of share my story that, you know, my experience that I, I went through with my mom, but I didn't necessarily know where to look, did a little research online. This is when I was living in Boston at the time and found this great organization called Samaritans that does amazing work for suicide prevention in New England, ended up like running one of their 5Ks one year. And that first year running the 5K, like crossing that finish line, I was just filled with so much emotion looking around, seeing other people crying because I felt like I was part of a community that like understood my pain and didn't judge me for it. Right. And I, I took that experience and kind of used that as my springboard into the nonprofit space and just how rewarding and fulfilling, uh, giving back to a, a cause that I was passionate about. I mean, that's what Movember is all about. That's what nonprofit fundraising is all about. Like, I think everyone in our lives is kind of seeking that 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 sense of purpose and fulfillment, right? And that's why I'm honored to be part of Movember. And, um, but anyways, yeah, man, it, it starts with, you know, having a conversation, being vulnerable like I have been. And it's really helped me process and grieve over the years. So that's what it's all about. That's, I mean, that's amazing stuff that you were able to turn that into, um, in, into something great because that's such a, I mean... I couldn't even imagine being at that age and going going through some of those experiences and how easy it is to just, you know, fall into a, a different track, a different road and, um, you know, just take what your kind of body wants to naturally gravitate to after experiencing one of those traumatic experiences. I mean, it's so much harder to kind of do what you did. And then, like you said, that utopian feeling you did. Yeah. You felt after that marathon. I mean, that that to feel great, you feel I, I it sounds like you feel purposeful. You know, which is, uh, I think, what yeah. um, sometimes is is missing, um, and and maybe leading to to some of the the causes of these, uh, um, you know, suicide and and things like that. I had, um, and you, you, I brought up PTSD too, which reminded me of um, an experience I had in um, when I was back in the Army National Guard. I uh, I had gone to training for about. Our, our two week training during the summer with my, one of my friends, I, I won't name his name, but um, we went to that two week training. We come back from Indiana. It's two. Uh, our next training is in two weeks, right? We all go home. I'd spent two full weeks with them, um, with him. So you get close because you're not only training with that person, you're sleeping next to him and you know, 24 seven for two straight weeks. And um, he, he was my good friend before that too, in the unit. But then we get back. Um, I'm supposed to see him again in two weeks later for another set of training. And all of a sudden, um, you know, the text messages throughout the units are going crazy that he ended up taking his own life. And, you know, mm. it was, it was, it was really weird for me because I had just saw him, you know, I had just yeah. saw him and spent all this time with him. So I was just, just weirded out that like, all of a sudden somebody is just right there. And then the next second they're, they're not. 
you know, it's kind of your, your brain is somehow trying to um, interpret really what, what's going on. And, and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a mess of a, uh, of an event because it was also a rarity in suicide where it, uh, it was a suicide by cop too, which was, which was really weird. And mm -hmm. what made it even rarer in, in, in that regard is that, you know, a lot of suicide by cops, I say 99.9% .9 of the time are done by, you know, an ex-convict robbing a bank who's saying, I'm not going back to jail. This wasn't my friend. He wasn't, you know, this, that wasn't the scenario he had faced. And that was the, the route that uh, ended up uh, occurring there, unfortunately. And it was, you know, a combination of a lot of, a lot of things, um, you know, domestically and, and, and things, but I, uh, I just, I knew for a fact though, from doing a little bit more research that this was not the result of a one day encounter that he fell into or just like a really bad day he had. I mean, that, that what he did, it was, he did due to a much, much longer term struggle with something over the course of time that added mm -hmm. up and had finally reached cognitive overload in a negative way like the, like the perfect storm or the imperfect storm I, I i should say um that led to just those those events um happening and then you know the aftermath of that i really learned why this is still a a huge issue and it's it's i feel like we're still in the infancy stages of solving it because yeah. the the unit let's go fast forward a month the next uh the next drilling session we're about 125 grown men between you know 19 and 45 are in a room together talking about obviously this soldier of ours who took his own life who was you know lived five minutes down the road and that was the the big topic of conversation then and you know this was so um i'd say of a I get the intention, but it was so misguided. Our main leader of the um, of the troop has us all in the same room, right? And ima imagine yourself being a man and being in this position. He he's talking about suicide and how it's such a big thing in the military right now. And he says, "Please, guys, raise your hand right now if you are considering suicide." And like in a room like that, it's when it's only men. You're Obviously, it's only testosterone. And when you're around other men with no women, your testosterone is through the roof. And then oh, yeah. what he's asking us to do is to remove our testosterone and open ourselves up. And um, and, and I'm just like sitting there just like so angry inside because I'm like, this guy is I get the intention, but he has no idea what he is um what what he's doing right now with with asking this out out loud thinking and he's going to go home later that night i knew thinking oh well my troops good it was only it was only that one soldier right. and i i started thinking about um when you said ptsd before brought this thought up that you know a lot of the people in the military right now that are committing suicide cuz in the in the military suicide's a big a big thing too a lot of the ones committing suicide are not the ones who fought in Afghanistan, who, you know, invaded Iraq, uh, you know, Vietnam, they're, they're the non-combat millennial Gen Zers who are taking their own life. And you got to think to yourself, yeah, what's the reason that, cause you can't chalk it up to PTSD. And at that point, 
we have to then rewind the whole channel to be like all these people we thought it might have been fully PTSD with. Maybe it wasn't entirely that case either. Um, so there's there's a lot of different dynamics right. to it. And it's very interesting because um, when when younger soldiers started taking their own lives, a real, a real question that the military was facing and still is, is that reason of why because they say they have the resources but the thing is they scream it in your face you know here's the resource who are you are you thinking of taking your own life and it's like my man like <laughs> like that's not the approach. not the way to go about it yeah yeah i i think it's it's a systemic issue to some degree i mean there's so many different roots of of this problem yeah. um especially in the military world and I, I mean i can't speak to it as i'm sure you can but i, I think the traditional military man you know they're perceived as macho and they have to be very buttoned up and macho and by the book. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of shoving your emotions down and not being able to process your emotions in an, in a natural and, and healthy way. Right. Cause it's almost your job too. Exactly. Um, and so I think that's probably what we're seeing with a lot of younger so soldiers who are taking their lives these days, who, you don't, don't have a lot of combat experience who don't necessarily have PTSD as not an excuse, but as the, as the factor. Right. Um, so I, I think it's an emotional thing. I think it's a generational shift that we're seeing right now. I, I hate to blame it on social media, but I think social media plays a part in it as well. Everyone's judging themselves. You know, um, everyone feels kind of confined to their phones, the immediacy of, of it all. Like there's really no removing yourself from from judgment anymore. Like, you know what I mean? No. It's, it's kind of bananas. Um, but I, I guess I, I, I'd love to ask you a question in this regard. Like when you're, when your buddy took his own life, I would imagine that left you with some lingering questions and, and some guilt, right? Cause I, at least it did for me. Uh, I mean, you, you really start to, your mind immediately goes back to when's the last time I saw that person? How did it go? You yeah. know, is, is like the immediate thought. Um, and you know, you always think about, well, what could have been said, what could have been done. And I mean, he, uh, he fit the, the perfect bill for that, um, you know, emotionally hidden man. And, you know, we had a, a great time in, in training. Um, you know, you complained, you, you know, had fun. It was, it was, you know, it really, there weren't really any, any signs. Um, and when, uh, he ended up taking his life. I just, uh, I mean, he was, it ended up coming out that, I mean, he was dealing with something that was, I mean, really would be life altering, um, mm -hmm. within his, uh, own relationship with that, that I think would really strike anybody, um, very hard, especially a man. And it, uh, you know, I, I almost, uh, I don't want to say I sadly kind of understood the, um, the, what he did, but I understood the, the cognitive overload that he was experiencing. And then when I mm. thought about that exact time setting place and people he was around, I, I, that's when I kind of understood, um, like the, like how it ended up unfolding the way that it did, because it was really just like, I mean, you had to have this, the exact pieces all together, all at the same time. And and you know it ended up uh, it ended up going that way, unfortunately. But I mean, I I, I think back, yeah. and I mean, I I didn't have any conversations where I you know we were talking deeply, and I could have asked him something. And I decided not to. Like there really wasn't um any of those any of those um moments I would say because 
it it just and then when it happened it just it really shocked but the the, the most the biggest most saddest thing is that nothing changed you know i mean nothing yeah. changed that's the that's the most saddest part I, I could say i mean the the unit was still the same um people still held in their emotions i mean i'd say even more so and things uh things just just were just the same and i think at that moment too when you know one of your buddies has killed themselves there there needs to be a demand of communication because yeah. during a death especially somebody so young there is a tremendous amount of feelings that everyone's feeling. And when no one is talking, no one is talking like that. There needs to be a demand, like a command that no, no, no one's leaving until there's um, communication done. That is you. The average person can reasonably say, yeah, that person let out all the emotions because of the way their body language was, their tone, their demeanor, the way they were talking, the way um, their facial expressions, maybe they cried. And then you can really, okay, that person communicated. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's the only way to do it. I mean, that really is. Cause I, that's the saddest thing. I, I realize it now that nothing, nothing changed from it. Well, I, and, that, and that's the toughest part because it, it leaves so many lingering questions and I think it's pretty natural to kind of second guess. Did I say the right thing? Could I have done more in those situations? And kind of piggybacking off of your point, I had a fraternity brother that took his own life about five years ago, came from a super Irish Catholic family, um, which, as you can imagine, was fairly shocking to them. Kind of same thing, though. They were very hush-hush about the whole situation. Our friend group wasn't really able to process and grieve as naturally as I think we should have. And then after the fact, after I got involved with suicide prevention in Boston, I reached out to this family to see, you know, if, if they wanted to get involved because it was such a great way for me to process. Right. And I think it was the Irish Catholic and I'm like, they mm. kind of swept it under the rug, went without saying they were almost ashamed by it to some degree. And that's also part of the problem, not to loop uh, religion into this, but you know, it just stems back to people not feeling comfortable, being yeah. vulnerable, sharing their emotions, wearing their emotions on their sleeve, you know, and um, yeah, something needs to change. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think of myself, I can, I can honestly, genuinely, cause I'm always, I'm a very um, self-reflecting person. I'm always reflecting on, you know, almost to a bad degree where it's like I'm reflecting on that phone call I had in like sixth grade that was like embarrassing or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm always, I'm, <laughs> I'm always like reflecting. I, I can honestly say that um, I do have good mental health and that I, I feel healthy in that way, especially because considering I, I've been in different places where I, I know where I wasn't and then I know where I, I, I have been, and I can say right now, I, I definitely have been. It's very easy to, to, to fall off that wagon. Um, but I can also say there's a reason why I, I am that way right now. And it's because, I mean, I really do. I feel like express myself, express what I'm feeling to people. I call up family. Um, I call up friends and I have a lot of different types of friends. I have friends that I can go to for, um, like if it's something like relationship wise, I can go to them and they're like the relationship friend. I have somebody to go to if it's something else, if it's money, if it's, I'm having a, 
bad um, family problem. Like I have different outlets for everything. So it's, it's, it's also having a good um, web of people in your, in your network. Cause I, or not in your network, in your, in your circle. Um, yeah. But, but I'd say just as important, it is that, you know, pick up the phone and, and call. Cause I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I call my parents almost basically once a day, I'm always chatting and that's when things come up and you can, you know, share it right before it starts to really gain traction into becoming more of an issue. And yeah. even, um, you know, a buddy from high school just, just called me last night, you know, and he, uh, um, I, I talked to him maybe once every two to three weeks and we just call each other and chat. Um, I'm always, I mean, whether it's on, I, I, I'm a gamer, so I, I play Xbox. I'm talking with some buddies there too. And it's always just sharing whenever you, I would say, if you're listening to this right now, not only if you're a guy, but like if, if you're anybody and you, are feeling something and you want to say it, you should say it. Um, especially if it's in regards to how you feel or your feelings. Uh, cause I feel like that is, it's not going to go anywhere if you keep it inside, except just turn into a health problem for you. Um, and then it's, it's gonna, yeah. Yeah. You go. Sorry. I was going to say it's going to, it's going to bubble up in an unhealthy way at, you know, some point down the line. And I, I love that you're so active in communication with your friends. I think that's so important. And one thing that I personally need to work on is just picking up the phone and, and calling my buddies. I mean, we, you know, we, we text and we kind of hide behind our phones a little bit through texting, which is fairly natural, but there's something to be said about hearing your friend's voice. You know, they can pick up on your, on your voice and, and body language, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I, I love that. I think ultimately as men, especially our generation, like we need, we need to pick up the phone more and just call our friends and family. Like at the end of the day, that's, that's probably the healthiest way to go about it. That's a great stepping stone, you know? Yeah. 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 And it, and it, it, it isn't even like, um, you know, I mean, pe people think that I don't want to say they think it's girly to like pick up the phone and, and call people too, but like there's ways you can go about it too. Where like some of my like guy friends, like I'll, I'll call them up and I'll just be like, what's going on? You piece of shit. <laughs> you know, like, or you, or you yes. sack of garbage, you know, like it's just, it's, you're just bullshit. And, and you know, that's, that's awesome. And I would say if somebody who's, who's having problems communicating with anybody right now, uh, or holding some stuff in just, there's some rules to just keep yourself to like, number one, a, if you are in traffic for longer than 10 or more minutes, just call someone. What else are you going to do? You're yes. just blaring like some absurdity on the radio. Um, or, I mean, maybe you're listening to your favorite podcast. No politics over here. <laughs> but like, <laughs> nice just, yeah, pick up, you know, pick up the phone call. I used to do that all the time. My commute to the city or when I was working in Jersey at the time, or even when I'm cooking, like I'll, I'll just call somebody up because I, you know, I'm, I'm focused. I, I'm not doing anything else except cooking with my hands. So let me just talk to somebody. And, you know, sometimes I've gotten the, uh, you know, stop with all those clicking in pans. And so, you know, but um, it, it, it keeps you communicated um, way better than social media yeah. ever. So that's a, uh, that's a rule. If you, you go on a walk or run, you know, uh, that, that's always, that's always uh, something to kind of keep in mind. Love that finding those those little windows during your your daily life where you can connect with people that are close to you. I think that's super important. And or even even during those windows, man, like even on a commute, rather than blasting music or or blasting no politics, which is a phenomenal option. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you could you could use that time to self reflect, do a little meditation. Like I think taking five minutes out of each day 
is so important for us just to stay in tune with our bodies and our souls. But for some reason, it's so hard to set aside five, like even two minutes set aside to, to focus on breathing and breath work. Like that's the best way to stay grounded and to look up at, you know, every once in a while, look up at the trees, look up at the sky, just re re remind yourself why you're here, put your feet in the ground. You know, those little moments of self-reflection are incredibly important as well. Um, so just wanted to call that out as well. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Especially, I mean, just um, do, doing a meditation, which I just started last year, um, doing one every every long once in a while. I'm not a meditation guru, but, um, you know, the times that I did it, I could um, I could understand why people gravitate it so much, like the people who do it for a living and so and, and rely on it. Like, I really do understand it, even if it's just 10 minutes just doing a, a meditation because you're you're distancing distancing yourself from all the distractions in the world and you think about it just for five or ten minutes it helps you like could you imagine if we didn't have a lot of that stuff in the world how much um people's like mental health would be uh just oh through the and, roof and we we waste so much time just scrolling mindlessly on social media and yeah. like doing stupid shit i i actually since i moved to la um my buddy who i grew up with has been dragging me to these uh He's he's a big yogi. He's like big into that into that space. He's been dragging me to these group meditation classes that last like three hours, and they're always led by um, really interesting folks. Like this one guy was a recovering heroin addict, and he said like breath work and meditation saved his life from being an addict. And th these sessions are super intense, man. Like it's like two straight hours of like intense breath work, breathing through the mouth. Yeah. And the first session I did like no joke, I felt like it was an out of body experience. Like I was levitating, like watching my body on on the mat. And people around me are, are screaming, they're crying, like they encourage you to go back to your most traumatic experience in your life. So as you can imagine, really intense. But after that session, I felt like a different person, like I was so grounded, so in tune with myself, I could I felt like I could breathe again to a certain degree. And so this that was completely out of my comfort zone. I encourage folks that are listening to go out of your comfort zone. Even if you feel like you're not a yogi, you're you're not a meditator, give it a shot because you'll be surprised how freaking grounding and, and beautiful it is. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome stuff. And anything that's that two hour type of sessions, man, those are really, uh, really, really good. Yeah, man. They're um, deep. Super deep, a little intense, but um, but honestly, like it's it's kind of life changing for a lot of people. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's amazing stuff. Um, Cause I, I've, uh, I, I know a lot of, a lot of people who start are starting to like kind of run those classes and teachers that do that, that kind of stuff. And those people themselves are so just um, open, they're happy, you could tell there's just that that forever glow about yeah. their personality, you know, I know, um, I'm envious. I know, I know where, <laughs> where, um, where can people, uh, more importantly, where can people find you? Cause I know it's, um, it's November time. It's time to get things, get things going. Let's start growing out those mustaches, facial hair, and, um, and seeing ways we can, we can help and make this a, a priority. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's time to start growing. Um, I, I would say the best way to support Movember is just to sign up now at our website, which is just movember.com. Start a fundraiser. If you're passionate about any of the causes that we represent, um, you know, it's it's one of the most rewarding experiences 
raising money for a cause that you care about. Um, but there are a few other ways that you can support Movember beyond just fundraising. You can obviously grow out a mustache throughout the month of November. It's a great conversation starter, as we talked about. Great awareness piece. Um, you can move for Movember, which is kind of a new endurance strategy that we just um, that we just rolled out this year. Basically, we're encouraging our fundraisers to uh, walk or run 60 miles for the 60 men that we lose to suicide every hour around the world. Um, and then the last piece, you can mow your own way, which is kind of another way of saying you can support Movember any way you any way you want, how, however you want, whether it's hosting an event, uh, hosting a shave down, like shaving your beard live on Instagram, uh, giving up a bad habit for the month of November. However, you feel like you're bettering yourself and generating impact and, and awareness, you know, run with it. Um, and then the last piece, you can obviously just make a donation at Movember.com. We obviously appreciate all the support. Um, so yeah, those are really the ways that you can get involved and um, just sign up on Movember.com. Okay, good stuff. And and how many people did you say? You said you could walk 60, what was it? Walk, uh, walk or run 60 miles for the 60 men that we lose to suicide every okay. hour around the world. Okay, okay. Wow, that's yep. uh, that's around the world too, jeez. Yeah, because a lot of times we, I mean, we think about just the United States, but then, you know, this is obviously happening in uh, all over the place. Totally. Um, and it doesn't have to be running or walking. Like last year, folks did 60 push-ups and, um, you know, they, they would ask for $60 for donations for every push-up they did or burpees or whatever it may be. However you feel like you're contributing, there's so many different unique ways you can use to, to fundraise. So um, anyways, appreciate all the support. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And I just fi I'll finish up with just a a quote about how to view um November two um with with this this month uh for, and it's a quote right from your your website from a a very kind gentleman named Max Skinner. <laughs> wow. It's uh I I try to get my friends and family to understand that November isn't just thirty days of taking care of our health. It's a starting line to changing it forever. And I think that viewing it as a starting line is such a great approach because it's um it's kind of like how we view January first each each year. You know, it's like oh, it's a fresh start. Um, it's it's time for me to do this. You start getting your goals together. Like when you know November first, like that's that is a, a very very good time to start outlining the goals, especially where you you know, you're so close to the end of the year at that point that it's, it's a very, it's very fair to just be like, Oh, let me, if I want to do this, let me just do it for two months. And then come new, uh, January 1st, if it hasn't worked out, I'll, I'll change my goals for the new year. But it's a, I love that you had said that because it's a very good starting line. I love those two words starting line, because it is, um, it, it gives people a chance to be like, Hey, all right, maybe once a week, I'm just going to share my thoughts, my feelings, or if something comes up. So, uh, Thanks. Thanks for that line, Max. If I, I'm, I'm glad I could, could share that with everyone. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for pulling that. I, and I, I think that's an important um, way to cap off this conversation because kind of stemming back to what we discussed earlier in the podcast in terms of expanding our fundraising arm beyond just the month of November, men in general need to work on their, on their health uh, beyond just one month out of the year, right? It's a starting line to the rest of your life, in, in my opinion. So uh, I appreciate you calling that out. 
I appreciate you supporting us and generating awareness for Movember and our whole mission. And um, yeah, thank you so much for for having me on this, Dan. Yeah, no, no problem. Actually, uh, the the pleasure the pleasure is mine, and I am uh, I'm sure I'll see you guys down the road, especially in November. I love it, man. Thank you so much for all the support. We'll see you next month. All right, sounds good, man. Every star.